Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. It is about 1 a.m. on Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, recording this intro after one of the best days we've ever had at church. Today was our one year birthday, our anniversary. I had so much fun. I want to say thank you to everybody who came out. It was so cool to have like a packed, socially distant room. Um, the energy in the room was amazing today. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you came out, if you watched online, thank you so much for watching online. If you've supported us in any way in the past year, you were awesome. I think that we are really doing something cool and providing something that people are hungry for and that people need and it couldn't happen without you. So thank you so much. Um, just one thing I want to make sure that you're aware of today. If you, if you haven't heard, we're getting ready to start small groups. It's just a place for us to kind of gather, um, not on a Sunday. We've got three different groups. One is meeting virtually on Monday. So if you just are too busy and would like to meet virtually, or if you aren't uh, comfortable yet coming out and being in small gatherings, you can come to the virtual group. The uh, St. Pete group is on Wednesday and the Tampa group is on Friday. And we're going to be meeting uh, outside and just kind of being as socially distant as we can in little small groups where we're gonna hang out, do some, do some community stuff, um, talk about the message from the previous week and just, you know, do that thing that churches love to do and that's get to know each other better and become buddies and friends. So let me tell you a little bit about the service today. It was really great. Like I said, it was a packed house. The band was killer. The message was awesome. We had uh, some free portraits that we were doing for people before the service. Um, just kind of like a family portrait or pictures with your friends. Uh, we're going to put those on our social media. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we did communion today, which is, I, I feel like it's the first time we've ever done it, but the way Hannah was talking, it sounded like maybe we'd done it before and I just forgot, but either way we had communion today, which was really cool. After the service, we gave away koozies and t-shirts. Uh, these are really cool design on both of them. It says, let's see if I can remember it off the top of my head, open and loving and inclusive and Christian and different. It's like one of those ampersand list shirts. You've probably seen them before. Um, I think it turned out really great. I'm excited to wear them. If you hear this and you have one of the shirts, do me a favor. When you wear it, just kind of maybe tag us in a, in a picture or something. That would be really cool. We would love to see that. I think we probably have some extras. So if you come out to a service soon, maybe you can get one. <laughs> uh, after the service, we went to a new place for brunch. It's called Grand Central Brew House. It was right around the corner. We had, a, again, a, just a great crowd. Tons of kids were hanging out and having fun. And we had pub subs and ate cupcakes. And it was awesome. Uh, again, thank you so much for just, you know, caring about us and what we're up to. If you want to learn more about groups, go to diff.church. Uh, you can do all sorts of stuff from there, including, you know, connect with us, sign up for the mailing list. You can donate if you believe in what we're doing and you want to help out uh, financially. That would be amazing. And uh, what else can you do there? You can give us feedback. Let us know what we're doing well, what you'd like to see more of, all that stuff. Uh, anyway, I think it is about time we get to the message. And uh, let's see what Hannah is talking about this morning. This morning, we are going to talk about feelings. I know, gross. <laughs> feelings? 
Here's the thing. We're not Spock, okay? We are not purely logical beings. And if we were purely logical beings, we'd end up like Ultron and try to destroy the world because humans are the greatest threat to peace that exists. So first of all, that's two nerd references in the first five minutes. So if you're new here, like now you know what you're in for. <laughs> um, but we're not purely logical beings. Even the people I know who pride themselves on being like very logical and very methodical in their decision makings and their beliefs and their plans, those people tend to be emotional about being logical. And if you don't believe me, okay, try to insert emotions into an argument with a logical person. What happens? They get mad. Well, you can't have your emotions here in this conversation because that's not, well, okay, but anger is an emotion. So even the most logical people still have emotions. And also we're not purely emotional beings. Like even the most intensely feeling people who have just like the most tender heart, like you cry at every commercial, not just the one where they have like dogs and Sarah McLaughlin is singing in the background. You're just like a toothpaste commercial and you're like, oh no, so sad. Okay. Every, even those people, they still use logic and reasoning to make decisions. So no one is purely emotional or pure. Purely logical. Now, if you are a person who does not feel things deeply, there's nothing wrong with you. Everyone cannot feel things intensely all the time. The world would implode. If you are a person who does feel things deeply, there's also nothing wrong with you. Everyone cannot be super chill all the time. No one would have any boundaries. We would just be like, oh, that's fine. I think that's fine. And it's not fine. So why are we talking about this? Most of us have been taught to suppress our emotions and our feelings, especially in faith communities. If you grew up in the evangelical faith tradition, which I know many of you did, you have been especially taught this way. So like maybe you've heard these Bible verses, Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Or this one, Proverbs 28, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Now, if you do like a quick Google search on emotions and faith or emotions and the Bible, you'll get approximately one zillion blog posts about how our emotions have been corrupted by our sin nature and they can never, ever, 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 ever be trusted. You shouldn't trust them because these are the reasons. Like, for example, emotions come and go. You might be really, really sad one minute and really happy the next. Therefore, emotions are not how you really feel, and you can't trust them. Or emotions make things more intense than they really are. So you might be so mad that you punch a wall. Or you might be so in love, you just make questionable relationship choices. Therefore, your emotions, they just are never reflecting reality, so you shouldn't trust them. Also, experiencing intense emotions tends to make people like view you as maybe respect you less or view you as less strong or less on top of things. And especially in the workplace, like logic seems to rule in the workplace. Emotions got to be squashed. Don't go cry at your desk unless, of course, it's about work. Um, and don't let anyone see you. And this one actually generally affects women more than men because um, feminine expressions of frustration, like crying, are seen as weak. And masculine expressions of frustration, like getting angry or like raising your voice or like slamming a door, 
more acceptable. Side note, did you know that women have smaller tear ducts than men? <laughs> Actually, like biologically, my tear ducts are smaller than Jared's. Not just because his head is bigger than mine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's actually impossible for a dude to cry as much as a lady because you have like just a giant faucet that drains all the tears through your nasal cavities and they don't come out. Whereas women, they have tiny little tear ducts and they just, just comes out all the time. There's a reason for that, not just because we're crazy, okay? So this is normal, we're wired this way. And another reason that emotions are difficult for us is because the emotions of other people can be very overwhelming. We are wired this way. This is normal. So loud noises like yelling, sobbing hysterically, like screaming, it triggers this fight or flight response in us automatically. This is why you see so many parents screaming at their kids when their toddler is melting down. Because you, we can't, our, it overloads our nervous system immediately. Or like you're, if you're in a relationship, you're having an argument with your partner and one of them gets upset, more loudly than the other, and one person just shuts down. I'm the person who shuts down. <laughs> like, if you yell at me, you could be saying I love you and you're wonderful. If you say it at the top of your lungs, guaranteed to cry. <laughs> like, and if you are yelling at me and you're actually mad, like, I cannot handle it. I will just start bawling. And I don't mean to. I'm not trying to, like, insert, like, make you feel bad. I can't handle it. It overloads my nervous system. So, you know, you might be the opposite. Like if you yell at me, I'm instantly gonna feel overwhelmed and unsafe and like out of control, I can't handle it. You yelling may be wonderful for you. You'd be like, yelling, that's, where, that's my response. But tears, the minute someone starts crying, you're like, oh no, <laughs> this makes me feel out of control and overwhelmed and unsafe and frustrated. Because from the time we're kids, we are taught to suppress our emotions and push them down. And if you grew up in church, this is very likely taught to you under the guise of faith. Don't feel. Your feelings can't be trusted. We even have language about this, and we say it over and over again. And it's to kids we say this, and it sticks with us as adults. Like, for this is what we say to kids. Don't cry. It's not that bad. Don't be sad. Don't get angry. It's not a big deal. But then when we're adults, that same language turns into, well, I don't know why you're upset about that. That's not a big deal. Or why are you sad? Other people have it so much worse. Just count your blessings. <laughs> like we've learned that feelings are not okay, so we don't express them, or we try to control, we try to like just, just keep them inside, which has resulted in an entire generation of Christians who don't trust themselves, can't trust their intuition or their instincts. They, I say they, we, <laughs> I, suppress my feelings, and it makes us generally dishonest about what's going on in our lives because we, we don't want to tell someone what's actually going on because then it might, we might be emotional about it, especially if it's bad and we don't want the other person to question us. Now, I follow an Instagram account called Big Little Feelings, and it's about, it's for parents of toddlers. Now, I don't have a toddler yet, but shortly I will, like by Christmas, I'm gonna have a toddler. So I am trying to be proactive in changing the feelings narrative that I have learned in my head because I don't want her to end up like me. I don't want her to be completely uncomfortable anytime someone has a big display of emotion. I don't want her to never be able to have a confrontation. Like it has taken me a lot of work and a lot of years to be just okay with having a reasonable confrontation with someone. 
or setting a boundary. Anyways, so this Instagram account, they put up this statement and it hit me a few weeks ago and I instantly like screenshotted it and I keep going back to it. And this is why we're talking about feelings today. This is a statement. All feelings are okay. All behaviors are not. All feelings are okay. All behaviors are not. And this makes me think that this is where the disconnect is in our culture and in our faith communities because we've been taught that it's the feelings that are the problem. You need to suppress your feelings. Just bury them, don't deal with them, ignore them, keep it together, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do we do? We swim. But actually, the feeling itself is fine. Like feelings like anger and anxiety and despair and rage, all of those are there to tell us that something is wrong. Something is bothering us. That means that your body and your mind are working properly. They're functioning how it's intended to function when you experience something like that. Feelings like euphoria and happiness and delight, that's all there to tell us that something is right, that something is wonderful. And that means that your body and your mind are working properly. They're functioning how they're supposed to be. The feelings are okay. What's not okay is like taking out your feelings on other people. So I can be angry. I can be livid, in fact. But I'm not allowed to yell at people that I love or destroy things. I can be like just despairingly sad, but I'm not allowed to shut people out who really love me and want to help me. We have to start making a distinction between our emotions and our behaviors because experiencing an intense emotion is not a negative thing. In fact, the quicker you acknowledge it and you okay the feeling, the quicker you will be able to self-regulate and come back to a place of equilibrium. We have to quit invalidating other people's emotions and our own. Quit invalidating your own emotions. Don't gaslight yourself, okay? So you can use this script like as a pattern. So if someone else is upset, the last thing you, like let's say I come home and I had the worst day and I'm like, I am so unedged right now. And my husband is like, get over it. That's just gonna go over so well, isn't it? No, it is not. So when someone else is having something intense going on, you don't tell them to get over it. We don't tell them, we don't invalidate their feelings. We can follow a simple script that makes someone feel heard. We can name the feeling, okay the feeling, and remind them that you're there. That's it. Like, I see you're upset because work was really hard today. It's okay to be upset. That's a really frustrating situation. And then just remind them, I'm here if you want to talk. I'm here for you. It's not hard. And we, we can do that sometimes for other people better than we can do that for ourselves. So what happens when you're experiencing something and you don't, you're the one. How do you talk yourself through that? Same thing, name the feeling, okay the feeling, remind yourself. So I'm feeling anxious because my kids won't stop screaming. That's definitely not a real life example for me. <laughs> When Nova was six weeks old, she screamed every night. And I don't mean like cried nicely. I mean like these decibels go to 11. And I can't, like it just, 
It's so loud. And it's so, like, there were moments where we were both crying. She was crying, and she probably had a reason, and I was crying because I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. Like, Josiah had to come actually take her away from me because I was just like, what's happening? I'm feeling anxious because my kids are screaming. It's okay that I'm feeling anxious because of all this nonstop noise. And then you have to remind yourself, feeling, okay, feeling anxious does not mean I'm a bad parent. I'm good, and it's okay to feel this way. Like here's another example. Friday, terrible day at my job, my regular job. And um, other people were like super frustrated and upset and tense all day on Friday. And I was having like a perfectly fine day. <laughs> and everyone kept calling me and being like, Mah! Let me tell you how upset I am about everything that's going on in my life right now. And I'm like, okay. Like, I started to get really tense and upset as well. And this is how the script could work. Like I said to myself, I'm feeling agitated because my coworkers are really upset. It's okay that I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling the emotions of other people in my body right now. I can just reset if I take a 10 minute walk. I'm good. Now, I know this feels very cheesy. Let me tell you, I felt like a complete dum-dum telling myself, it's okay that I'm upset on Friday. Having this conversation to myself, like if somebody had walked in and heard me, they would have been like, okay, somebody needs to help her. It's okay that I'm upset, it's fine. But it works. When you are having a bad day, what do you want your partner or your friend to say to you? Do you want them to tell you you're stupid for feeling that way? Or do you want them to say, that sounds really tough. I'm sorry, I'm here for you. Let's take a walk, here's a coffee, let's order pizza for dinner, whatever. No, you wanna have your feelings validated and know that it's a safe space to be who you really are in that moment and then you can get back to a place of equilibrium much faster. We have to do this for ourselves too. We have to remind ourselves that all feelings are okay and that we are good. Our most basic human need is to be seen as real and good, accepted, affirmed, belonging, worthy. That's what we need. And here's something for you to ponder. Like what if all the self-help books and the podcasts and the accounts and all the stuff we're doing to try to fix ourselves, if it's not working because you're not actually broken? What if all the things you are doing to fix yourself aren't working because there's, you're not broken? Now, this is the point where I immediately get pushback from church people. They're like, oh, God. But Adam and Eve, <laughs> an original sin, and have you seen children? All you have to do is look at a two-year-old and they stomp their foot and they're like, oh, I mean, have you seen the world? People are out of their minds. Everything's a mess. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It like causes people anxiety when I say this thing. Yeah, I can see, okay? My eyes are not broken. <laughs> I'm not saying that people are not capable of wrongdoing and evil and harming each other and harming ourselves. Clearly we are. What I am saying is that what if all the ways that we end up harming ourselves and harming other people are a distortion of who we are, not fundamentally who we are? What if salvation and faith is not to rescue you from this horrible person that you think you are, but instead to grow and nurture the fundamental goodness that was created in you by the creator 
and celebrate it and cause that spark of goodness that has been in you from the beginning to grow into this great fire so that it pushes into every part of your mind, even the darkest parts and the most painful parts and the parts that you want to keep the doors closed to and fills it with love and life and hope from God. What if, no matter what you've done in your life so far, no matter how negative or how harmful to other people or how harmful to yourself, what if you still cannot erase the fact that you were created good? Not just good, very good. And that there will always be that good inside of you. And it can be, it can be, it can explode anytime you let it happen. Can we hold space for goodness inside of us? Because I get pushback from people, but we're awful though. But yeah, people are the worst. <laughs> but they're also the best. And we're always holding space over here for how awful we are. All the time. We just accept. Someone's like, original sin, and we're like, yep, I'm awful. Someone's like, you are a horrible person because of that thing you did 10 years ago to that person that you went to school with. Yep, you're right. I should think about that all night long for seven hours and not sleep. Like, we love to live over here, dwelling on all the things that we are capable of doing wrong and all the things that maybe have hurt other people. And we never dwell over here where God just says, you're good. We always hold space for how awful we are. Can we hold just a little bit of space for the goodness that God has put inside of us? Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Jesus so we can do all the good things God has planned for us all along. Because God doesn't look at us and say, what a piece of crap. Like, we laugh, but I feel like we act like that's what God thinks of us. What? No. God looks at us and says, you are real and good and not broken. You are worthy. You are valuable. You, even when you have intense feelings, you're still good. You're still valuable. You're still worthy. You should still belong. You can still show up as your full self. This narrative about how everything is awful is not who you really are. You're not actually broken fundamentally. And I hear this sometimes from people, like especially faith communities, they're like, you're not broken, caveat, beyond repair. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we all have stuff. Of course we're not broken beyond repair, but fundamentally we're not broken. God has created us to be good and to belong, and not just to be good, but to be whole and complete. That's what shalom means. The word for peace in Hebrew is not just peace, it's wholeness, completeness, lacking nothing. And we can only find that in relationship with other people and in relationship with God. We, have, we complete each other. So what we are going to do today is something we haven't done in a while because pandemic, and it's communion. Now you may know this as the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, whatever you called it in your faith tradition. Communion is really special to me. We have, um, this is how I decided to do this, so that no one's, you know, like touching pieces of bread and then 
putting that in your mouth. We're not gonna do that, okay? So we have individually wrapped juicy juice boxes. It's not actually juicy juice, it's some off-brand that they had at Sam's. <laughs> Hopefully it's delicious. And we have some shortbread cookies. Now, this may feel, I know this may feel uncomfortable if you're used to a very specific way of doing communion. Because I'm not gonna have every person come up here one by one and I'm not gonna give it to you. We're all gonna do it together as a group. Let me just tell you, the elements are not the issue, okay? So if you feel uncomfortable eating a shortbread cookie for communion, just relax. This is different church, okay? If you don't have one, if you didn't get one on the way in, just slip your hand up and we'll get you one. You can go ahead and uh, unwrap your crinkly plastic straws. <laughs> so I have taken communion like many, many, many times in my life. And the most powerful time ever to me was I was on a trip in college with a professor and some other students. And we were just in a hotel room on this trip. Somebody was playing music. We were singing. We were worshiping Jesus, and then someone was like, I feel like we should take communion. Like, this is what communion is. It's people gathering together and being in each other's presence and being in God's presence. And we didn't have any bread, and we were 19, so no wine. We had a bag of homemade chocolate chip cookies that someone's mom had sent with them on the trip, and we had an unopened bottle of triple X vitamin water. And I will tell you, it was the most powerful communion experience I've ever had. Because it's not about what we're putting in our mouth. It's about why we're doing it. And maybe you have taken communion a hundred times in your life or a thousand times in your life, but you've never taken communion in an inclusive church who affirmed who you are. Maybe you have been in churches where you've been pretending you have not been able to be your full self. However that has happened in your life, you have not been able to be who you truly are and show up to the table where Jesus says all are welcome and all can come and all of this grace is available for every person no matter what. And you showed up at the table and someone said, not you though. This is different church. And I don't feel like it's that different to like do what Jesus said actually and welcome everyone. That's what we're doing. So I just want to make the statement that if at any point in your life you have been kept from communion or you have taken it and felt as though you weren't showing up with your full self, you don't have to do that here. You, you're not just welcome. You are, you're good and you belong here. You don't have to change anything about yourself. And I, if you don't want to take communion, you don't have to. This is not me forcing a shortbread cookie down your throat. I also did not have time to get a gluten-free option, sorry. <laughs> so, what I will do is I'm gonna read the scripture and then we'll all take me in together, okay? So, the scripture is from Matthew 26, it's Jesus talking. It says, during the meal, Jesus took some bread in his hands and he blessed the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take this and eat it. This is my body. And then Jesus picked up a cup of wine and gave thanks to God. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take this and drink it. This is my blood and with it, God makes his agreement with you. 
not just the agreement that you're saved, the agreement that you're whole, the agreement that you're valued, the agreement that grace and hope and peace is available in unlimited quantities. Because if God is good and we came from God, then we are good too. So everybody pick up your Lorna Dune shortbread cookies. <laughs> and then I'm just going to say a phrase and then you can eat it, okay? The body of Christ broken for you. Let's eat together. Would anyone up here like? Well, I only brought one juice box. (laughs) Do you like one? Okay. No one is excluded, even the band. (laughs) And then we have... I got apple juice. What did you get? (laughs) Very berry. Notice, I don't even think there... Was there even grape? (laughs) Raspberry. (laughs) Okay. I really actually thought about getting Capri Suns, but I didn't want everyone to have trouble poking the straw through the pouch. Next time. The blood of Christ shed for you. We're going to pray. And then we have a beautiful song called Graves into Gardens, which I think totally encapsulates what we're trying to do as a church and what God has done for us. And then we have, I'll come back and give a benediction. Let's pray together. God, we're so used to being grateful that you accept us for who we are. And yet also so used to questioning whether you accept us for who we are. With our feelings, as intense as they may be, with our minds, with our souls, with who we are as people. We're so used to hiding parts of ourselves when it comes to our faith communities because we're used to not being able to show up as we really are. And it's not as though we're hiding from you because you have created us this way. You have created us valued and good and worthy and with a million reasons to hope and a million reasons to not give up on ourselves and on each other. So we participate and we remember you with just some cookies and some juice. But in doing this, we remember that you validated what it means to be a human because you came as a human to say that there's nothing wrong with us, to say that it's worth being human. May we learn to accept not just the gracious gifts you've given us but the grace that was born in us from the very beginning. Amen.